this morning. Uh, I know there's people who listen online as well, so we say welcome to you guys. Uh, happy 2019. We start a brand new year and uh, want to start a brand new series as well. And the series that we're going to get into doesn't really have, I don't know exactly how many weeks it's going to be. It's from now till, till Easter, uh, inspired by uh, a series that I listened to a year ago. Um, Andy Stanley's church did a, a series called 90, and it was the 90 days between Christmas and Easter, and just taking a journey with Christ. And I thought, man, that's a, back then I just remember how uh, inspiring it was, and, and I wanted to do the, the same thing, just to take, we're not necessarily going to go along with the, their, their outline or their, their uh, series, but that's that thought of what it would it be like just to journey with Jesus. What is it like to just see his, you know, his, his important conversations, the things, that, you know, the, the stories of uh, miracles that he did, different things. What would it be like just to um, follow along? And maybe you're hearing like, Man, that's like basic. I know all that stuff or whatever. Uh, let me just start with this this morning. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess that every one of you is familiar with rock, paper, scissors. You've seen it either, you know, played by kids or deciding a, you know, who gets to start the, with, the, with the ball in a soccer game or whatever. But rock, paper, scissors, pretty, uh, pretty, uh, pretty normal thing. Uh, my kids, though, they change everything. And so Max and Finn were playing rock, paper, scissors, but that got too boring. And so I'm sure it was Max changed it to rock, paper, everything. So basically, you do rock, paper, and then you can just decide whatever you want, and then it's like whoever's is the best, you know, grenade versus Billy Go, whatever it might be. So they were playing the other day on the couch, rock, paper, everything, one, two, three, and Max is like, I got Jesus, you know, and he, <laughs> Jesus beats everything, right? And, and Finn's on the couch, and he had grenade, and he's like, no, Jesus doesn't beat everything. Jesus loves everything. Grenade wins. And, and he's like, Max, like, no, Jesus is so powerful. He beats everything. Rock, paper, rock, paper, Jesus, I got you. And I'm like, they're back and forth about which one wins that round. I thought, you know, that's a really, it's a really great question. Which one is it? Is, you know, Jesus all-powerful beats everything, or is it Jesus, no, he loves everything? Which is it? And I, and I, I was, in that moment, thought of the fact that there's two types of people that would be in this room today and listening online today. Uh, the two types of people, you know, that there'd be some long, there'd be some of you who would call yourself long-time Christians. I, I've been a Christian for, you know, a, a long time, and and you may, you may be the ones who are like saying, hey, I already know all the stories. I guess I can, you know, check out between now and then. But my question for you this morning is, do you know him really? Don't miss that just because someone walked in. It's so easily distracted, right? Like, I just watch all your eyes. You think I don't see you. <laughs> you know all the stories, but do you know him really? That's a great question to ask yourself, because maybe you've sat here a long time, and you know all the stories, but do you know him, really? Paul wrote to Timothy and said to him, listen, I know the one in whom I believe. I'm, I'm, not, just, I'm not just believing God. I, I know him. I don't just, you know, believe there is a Jesus. I, I know him. And my question for myself and for you is, do you, do you know him more today than you knew him yesterday? Like, well, not yet. That's why I came here. I was hoping you could tell me something. But did you know him more today? And tomorrow, will you say, hey, yeah, I know him more today than I did yesterday? Can you tell others about him? Can you tell others about Christ confidently? And this is to all of those who would say, yeah, I'm a longtime Christian. Can you tell others about Christ confidently and accurately? Or when they ask you questions every once in a while about, you know, why do you go to church? Or you really believe in Jesus? And you're like, uh, I don't really know what to say. And maybe some of you are like, I don't really need to know what to say. I just call you. And that happens. People are like, hey, I got this person who's got questions about Jesus. Is it okay? If, could you go visit them? 
I told him, you know, hey, would you like to talk to my pastor? He'll come and see you. I'm like, you should be able to go and talk to them. But realizing that, you know, not, not always do we know, do we have the answers. And so I believe there's some real good reminders and challenges for us who would say, hey, I'm a longtime Christian in, in this series. Um, one of the things, too, that I think is just phenomenal about the life of Jesus is that Paul wrote to the Colossians and said, said these words, that Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. So many people have questions, what's God really like? If we would simply look at the life of Jesus, we would get a real good indicator of what invisible God looks like simply by the visible life of Jesus. What you see in Jesus is, is uh, who God is. And so this, over this series, just want to take a look at what is God really like by looking at who is Jesus and what is his life really like. Uh, and then maybe you're here and you're like, I'm not a long-time Christian. This is actually my first day. I just started, you know, first time in church or uh, or first time checking in, listening, or you, you've got questions. Like, I'm not sure that I really want to commit to this Christianity thing. I still have, I'm a little unsure about all of it. I'm not, I'm not sure I believe all this stuff yet. And you're like, I, I want to know, if I'm going to, if I want to be like a Christian, I want to know what I'm signing up for. You know, when you, I just got a new cell phone, and then they, and, and uh, actually got a whole bunch of different things, because we're building a house. There's all these contracts, and you got to sign your name, and, and this one guy this week hands me an empty contract and says, just sign here. And I'm like, what's, what's the fine print? You know, what am I actually signing for? He's like, it's all good. My boss talked to you. Just sign here. I'm like, okay. So I read through and sign, but we want to know what's the fine print. And for some of you, are like, you know, what's the fine print of Christianity? Maybe you got questions in your head. You're sitting here like, well, like, how many, do I have to go to church every Sunday? Like, if I, if I say, hey, okay, I'll be a Christian, do I have to go to church every Sunday? Or uh, how much money do I have to give in the offering? Or maybe your questions are like, are the brownies always going to be free? And what's in those brownies? Because everyone's so happy around here. <laughs> maybe you have, you've got your questions, or you're like, what is Christianity anyways? I've just seen so many people who call themselves Christian, and what is Christianity anyways? And that's a great question. I think every person should ask it. I hope somebody asks you it, and that you have to, you've got to think about that. What is Christianity anyways? For those who would say they are a longtime Christian, what makes you a Christian? For those of you who'd say, hey, I'm a Christian, what makes you a Christian? I don't know about you, but I've met people who, uh, I'm, I hear that they are Christians. I'm sometimes I'm a little surprised. I've known them for a long time. All of a sudden, they're like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm a Christian. It's like, whoa, I didn't, I didn't know that. I've met other people who said that about some of you. They're like, that person goes to, to your church? That person goes to church? I had no idea. I won't point you out on the mic anyways. But what a thing, eh? How many of you have met Christians or people who call themselves Christians, and you're like, I don't, I don't really know what that, what that means? For some of you to ask, you know, what makes you a Christian? I've heard various answers. I'm not going to ask you to shout them out, but various answers. Some that said, hey, I was born in church. My very first week, I was at church. You know, a few weeks later, I was wearing a little white christening gown, and they dribbled water on my head. I don't remember, but there's pictures. I've been a Christian my whole life. I've been in church ever since then. I'm a Christian. Maybe for you, it's different. He's like, hey, I said a sinner's prayer at camp. I remember I said a sinner's prayer, and and actually, to be honest, I've said a few, because I wasn't sure the first one took. And so I've said a few. I just want to make sure I, I think I'm good. I think I'm, I think I'm a Christian. You know, maybe for you it was different. You're like, um, I accepted Jesus into my heart. I'd ask for a show of hands, but we're not. He said, hey, I accepted, I accepted Jesus into my heart. I, I'm a Christian. And for others, you know, it's like, well, I believe there's a God. 
Remember, I see some people saying, asking people, hey, do you believe in God? Yeah, I believe there's a God. Oh, good, then you must be okay. What are those things? Those are the responses. You know what's really interesting about all of those responses? And maybe some of them, you say, yeah, that's me. Those are good things, but you realize that Jesus and, and the New Testament authors, none of them said any of those things. Sinner's prayer is not in the Bible. You know, accepting Jesus into your heart, the way we think about it, it's not in the Bible. It's, Jesus never said, hey, Peter, Peter, if you would just accept me, I'm Jesus. If you would just accept me, then you're good. Peter's like, accept you? In our culture, we accept everyone. Yeah, yeah, okay, I accept, that. I accept Jesus, that's fine. He says, then you're good. Jesus never said that. He never said, he never said to Zacchaeus, hey, Zacchaeus, come down on that tree. I got a prayer. I want you to pray with me. Here, just repeat after me. Dear God, I'm a sinner. I accept you into my heart. You know, the sinner's prayer. He never said that to Zacchaeus. He says, okay, now you're good. Hey, John, John, hey, do you, do you believe in God? Well, I believe there's a God. Okay, you're good. You know, that was, that was never the, the thing of what Christianity uh, was. And when we look at the New Testament, Jesus used a very different word. A different word that disqualifies a lot of people. And it's this word called follower. Follower. He, he, he used this word follower. Not, uh, not come follow a brand or a label or a, you know, a stereotype. Hey I, want you to, hey, I want you to follow. I want you to dress and talk a certain way, which is where we get. We, and we find that all over. Uh, and here's a few. Maybe you can tell me, what, what uh, stereotype would, would this person be? Emo. Very good. Yes, you're allowed to shout out at this point. This, you know, people look and say, oh, that's emo. Who's this? What would you say this is? Redneck or hillbilly or, you know, that, as long as it's, that's my husband, right? Um, whatever. whatever. How, about, how about this one? Nerd. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, it's saying, ah, okay, see that they look a certain way, dress a certain way. What's, uh, what's this next one? Hipster or homeless. We go with either. Uh, and, then, and then this one. <laughs> Christian. See, because a lot of them, that's what we think. We look around, and we're like, hey, they're in church on Sunday morning. They have assumed the position. They're wearing the right clothes. Uh, must be a Christian. But Jesus said, you, never, you can't tell based on that. I didn't, come, I didn't tell you to come you know, dress a certain way, say certain things, go to certain buildings on, on certain days. That's not what, I, what he called us to do. Uh, he didn't call, call us to follow a set of rules. He didn't say, hey, I got, some, I got some new rules for you. It's kind of like a diet. You know, the keto diet is, the, is you know, everybody's like, oh, it's my New Year's resolution. To, you know, the low-carb, high-fat. Or maybe you're like, I don't want, like, a long-term diet. I want seven days. I'm doing cabbage soup detox, more cabbage. That's all that the cabbage soup diet really is. Or maybe you're like, no, I'm the Western diet. That'll be the one that I go with, which is actually the most popular, which is more sweets and more deep fried food, right? This is like, if you want to follow a diet, you got to follow the rules. You can't be eating this and saying, I'm on the keto diet. There's nothing keto about that. And same thing with Christianity. He says, I didn't tell you come follow a bunch of rules and then you can say, I follow the Ten Commandments. Uh, That's not what Jesus said. He said something so much more important for us to realize. And it's this, he said, come follow me. I don't want you to follow like some stereotype. I don't want you to follow some rules. I want you to come follow a person. I want you to come follow me. And he invited all kinds of people to do that. Didn't matter what backgrounds they had. Some were fishermen. He said, hey, come follow me. Some were tax collectors. Hey, everybody hates you. Cool, come follow me. The zealots, the ones who are passionate about their country. Hey, you know what? Come follow me. Men, women, rich people, poor people. He said the same thing to all of them. Hey, come, just come and follow me. And that's what a Christian is. 
He says, come be my disciple, come live like I live, come do as I do, come follow me. And that's what a Christian is, a Christian, someone who follows Christ. Many people accepted the invitation. Crowds would follow him. And then something interesting happened. He'd say stuff, and they're like, really, like, give stuff away to the poor? Sell all I have and give it away? Said weird things like, eat my flesh, drink my blood, and they're like, and like, we don't follow anymore. And they stopped following, which tells me that it's not just a one-time, hey, I have decided to follow Jesus. I said a prayer, and now I'm good. That, that's, that's not what this is about. He said, I want you to follow me, and some stopped following. And so my question for us each week in the series, and I hope that you'd ask it of yourself each day, is am I actually following Jesus, or am I just a Christian? Am I still following Jesus? When it comes to what he wants or what I want, Am I still following? And every single one of us gets torn between those two things. And so I want to challenge you with that as we look into this series uh, starting this morning. About 33 years after Christmas, we've just celebrated Christmas, the birth of Jesus. About 33 years after the birth of Jesus, something happened that changed history. And if you've been around church, you're very familiar with it. There was a man who was crucified by the Romans. And that's not unique. There was thousands of people who were crucified by the Romans. They didn't write about all of that. They wrote about thousands of people being crucified. And then there was one guy, one guy so unique that he did something that nobody else had done, and that's that he rose from the dead. They they saw lots of people crucified on crosses, and this looks really clean. It It was messy. And then they saw this one man who they saw hanging on a cross. They watched him die. They saw him buried in a tomb. They watched the rock go in front of that tomb, Three days later, they're back at that tomb, and it's empty. And they're like, where did he go? Somebody stole his body. And then they're just like, we don't know what's going on. Let's just go fishing. And they go to the beach, and as they're fishing on the beach, all of a sudden, there he is. There's their friend. He's like, hey, want some breakfast? They're like, you're a ghost. He's like, no, ghosts don't eat breakfast. And they're like, he's he's alive. He's alive. Something happened. And as a result of that, something happening, real people seeing him really alive, they're like, this, this person is somebody important. They're like, they began to start writing. It's like, we got to tell people. We can't travel everywhere. Let's write letters. Let's tell people about this person. Let's tell about this event that happened. And they began to write like crazy. It was an explosion of literature in that, at that time period about this, this teacher from Galilee. You know, our, our whole, it's, it's the reason that we have the New Testament today. You know, all the letters from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and all the letters from Paul. It's why any of us here would have them. It's also the reason why any Canadian sitting in a, in a church would have copies of old Jewish uh, literature, which we would call the Old Testament. The only reason we have all of that is because, someone, because of someone rising from the dead, because of an event that happened. Do you, did you ever stop and just wonder... Why would people write all of that information about just some teacher guy from Galilee? They didn't write all that about any other teacher guy from Galilee. What was it about this guy that, was, that, that made them want to write like crazy? Because something happened, and that's the important thing I want us to think about this morning. The New Testament wasn't like some books and stories that were written so that we could have a new religion. Here, follow, here we'll write some stuff, and you guys can follow this, and hopefully it, hopefully it takes off. 
There was no New Testament until Jesus rose from the dead, and then they began to write about it. They began to write because he rose from the dead, and one of those writers was a man named Luke, a historian that we looked at last week. But I just want to, I just want to see these words again, because here's, the, here's the, the importance of what Luke wrote and why we should take it seriously, why we should consider it. He said this in Luke chapter 1, very beginning of his letter. He says, many people have set out to write the accounts about what? The events that have been fulfilled among us. We're writing about something that happened. So when you're reading this, you're like, oh, yeah, kind of assumed. But he's like, don't ever think this is just a story. He didn't start with, eh, once upon a time. He's like, no, let me tell you what happened. I'm writing history. He says they used the eyewitness reports circulating um, among us from the early disciples. There was people who saw this stuff, saw it with their own eyes. He says, I've carefully investigated I didn't just take it at face value. I investigated and I asked questions to make sure that uh, I could write an accurate account for you, most honorable Theophilus. He's writing this accurate account, and here's why he says, so that you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. So you can be certain that what, what you're about to hear, what you're about to read is true. You can count on the fact that it's true. It's not just stories. And for so many of us who've been longtime Christians that just the, the, it drifts into this thing of the stories, and we forget the truth that's behind it. He wasn't writing some story. He was writing history. And some of you are like, well, wait a second. They didn't start writing about Jesus until after he rose from the dead. He was like 33 at that point. And then Luke starts writing about when Jesus was born. Like, that's, that's 33 years ago. I can't remember stuff from last week. How does he remember stuff? How do they remember stuff from 33 years ago? It's interesting what you remember from 30 years ago. This week, um, we're playing a game with my kids, and uh, we're doing this, like, this is drawing game, and uh, we had to write out some stuff. And I thought, all of a sudden, these words came into my head. Be Billy Oaten Boaten. Anybody ever heard those words before? Be Billy Oaten Boaten? Like, uh, maybe not. Well, I wrote all this, I wrote this thing out, and uh, my wife's looking at me like, Afterwards, the next day, my kids all want to learn it, so I drew pictures so they could learn it. It, it really goes like this. Be Billy Oat and Bone Booba, but didn't done what and chew. No? All right. So uh, then she's like, she looks at it and she thinks, you know, the next day I'm talking to them. I was like, man, I remember this. Like, I haven't thought about that in like 30 years. And she's like, what, that's a thing? I'm like, that's, you didn't just make that up. I'm like, no, I didn't just make that up. I'm like, I'm sure it's a thing. I'm like, I'm, my, my brothers and sisters, they must know about it. And she's like, really? I was like, Okay, well, now I'm not sure. So I'm like, I text my brother. I'm like, hey, can you finish this sentence? Be Billy Oaten Boaten. And I get back, boo bop, but didn't dotten, what out and chew. And I'm like, and then he says, it actually starts with flee, flee, fly. I'm like, what? I'm like, oh, yeah, flee, flee, fly, flee, fly, flow, flee, fly, flow, aviste, eeny, meeny, desly, new, wah, wah, eeny, bee, billy, own, bone, boo, baba, didn't, don, what, ah, and chew. That's not speaking in tongues, in case you were worried. That's, uh, that's early rapping for children. But um, I'm like, man, how do we remember them? I mean, there's people who made videos. You can find on YouTube if you're so inspired. But I'm like, how do we remember absolute nonsense, word for word, 30 years later? See, even, uh, it's, it's, it's absolutely incredible how our minds work, and my, my family's not extra special in that way. I mean, you might think they are, but uh, the, the, you have the same ability. You have the same ability. For instance, um, anybody who's 30 plus, how many of you remember this item right here? Anybody know what that is? 
Game Boy. Remember when that first came out? You're like, whoa, sweet. And our minds went to mush ever since, right? That's, that's kind of that's what happened here. But you remember this, uh, the thing, the Game Boy. How many of you remember this event? You see this picture. Anybody remember that event? What is it? Berlin Wall coming down, 1989, 30 years ago. And some of you are like, 30 years? Man, I just got old, and like just now. 30 years ago, the Berlin Wall came down. You'd remember it. It was an event that happened. You'd remember your, your perspective of it. How about this? Anybody know these people? Seinfeld, the show about nothing that you can remember lines from, like yada, 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 and like back it up, beep, 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 you know, whatever, different lines from this show. You remember um, personalities and things like how Kramer entered a room. <laughs> like you remember things even though they were a long time ago. You remember probably the first time, the first episode. He's like, how, well, you know, Luke's writing and talking to Mary. How does she remember the details of Jesus' birth? That's a man question, because ask any woman, you know, the details of the birth of their children 40, 50 years ago. They know the details to this day. And why do I take any time on that is simply that I want to remind us that what we're reading and what we're hearing is truth. And that Luke said, I'm writing the details so that you'll know the truth, that you'll know the truth. And Luke wrote, uh, he, he wrote some amazing stuff. Um, in Luke chapter 1, he wrote the story of Christmas. That's what we read you know, every time at Christmas. Here's when it happened. Here's how it happened. Luke chapter 2, he writes a little bit about Christmas, and he writes a little bit about Jesus' life. Um, very, very little, actually, but probably the only stuff that matters. He writes about how Jesus, when he was 12, he was 12 years old. His family went to Jerusalem. Then his family went home, and Jesus wasn't with them. So they all go back and like, we lost Jesus. We lost Jesus. And anybody seen him? And three days later, they find him in the temple. How many of your kids, if they ran away, would go to church? They're like, there is something about this kid. He's not like all the other kids. And then he would sit there and chat with the, the teachers, and, and they were amazed at him, even at age 12. And that's kind of really all we uh, hear about him. He ends Luke chapter 2 by saying, in Jesus, he just grew up. He grew in wisdom. He grew in stature. He uh, grew in favor with God and men. That's kind of the culmination. So when you see the movies where you're like, I saw Jesus in the, in the movies where he was a boy and he made like this clay bird uh, and then all of a sudden he blew on it and it came to life and it flew. Uh, that's, not, that's not what happened with the life of Jesus. Luke's like, the stuff you need to know, all right. And for some of you, you're like, wow, he made clay birds fly? That's incredible. It's not that incredible. Any of you could do that with one of these. I'm just saying. All the skeet shooters, that's for you. All right, so let's take a look at Luke chapter 3. You've had some time to get there. If you open it, Luke chapter 3, verse 1 says this. It's the first we hear of Jesus since he was 12. It's the first we see of Jesus as an adult. The story, it's not just a story, something that's true. He says this, and Now, in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius, the Roman emperor, Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea. Herod Antipas was ruler over Galilee. And as you read, you're like, oh, just get to the good stuff. Why do you got those names in yellow? Because Luke's telling you something. He's like, when I first wrote the first couple, so the start, I told you the time frame and people, and places. And he's like, I'm doing it again. This is, not just like, this is not just like some story. He's like, this is when it happened. It's the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius, the emperor of, uh, the, of Rome. You can check that out and, and fact check that even today. Pontius Pilate, he was governor over this area of Judea. Herod Antipas was ruler over Galilee. His brother Philip, ruler over Iturea and Trachonitis. Licinius was ruler over Abilene. And then he says, and Annas and Caiaphas were the high priests. And it says, it's at this time, 
At this time, a message from God came to John, son of Zechariah. Which John? Zechariah's son, John. Just so you don't mess up which John. This John, he says he was living in the wilderness. And then John went from place to place on both sides of the Jordan River. He was preaching that people should be baptized, and just leave this part up, to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. This is why, he's like, they had, they had gone down to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. Well, there's another John, John who was the eyewitness of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the guy who wrote that. John, he also writes some things. He was an eyewitness, and he, he, says, he says this, crowds began, crowds began to go down to the Jordan River. So we sit here and we're like, hey, you just see everything. They would know exactly what the Jordan River is like. Just picture it for a minute. Here, here you are, you know, wandering from Jerusalem down some steep, rocky paths. You're making sure there's, you know, no, nobody out there to rob from you. It's a little bit of a dangerous trek. It takes you all day to get down there. It's hot. You finally get to the Jordan River. You're like, man, I heard about this guy named John. Everybody thinks he's like the coolest. I want to go see him. You get down there and you're like, oh, there's thousands of other people there. You look around like this is like a hundred. Now picture 10 times that, and they all want to talk to the same guy. They're all like sitting like, well, where is he? Where is he? And they're like, oh, oh there he is. He's the guy with the, with the camel skins. And then you go up, and you're like, yep, his breath smells like locusts and honey. This is him. This is the John. And as they talk, as they like, John, I came all the way down here because I want to be baptized. I brought my whole family. We all want to be baptized. And John's down there. And as they, as they, uh, are, all these crowds are coming down every single day. There's an interesting thing that happens, and John, the other John tells us about it. He says that the crowds, that becomes a problem for some people. The religious leaders who are hanging out in Jerusalem, they don't love the idea that there's a crowd down uh, by the Jordan River. Because anytime there was a crowd, the Romans would think that, you know, they're, they're starting a rebellion. Let's go figure out what's going on, and let's, let's crush this rebellion. Let's put more limits on these people. And so these Jewish leaders are like, we don't, we don't want crowds happening anywhere. And then the other thing that they had is that those words, to show they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. The religious leaders are like, we already have a system for that. People are supposed to come to us at the temple, bringing their lambs. We sacrifice the lambs. They're forgiven. What, are they, what do you mean they're going down to the Jordan River and they're being forgiven of sins? That's not what the book says. That's not what's supposed to happen. How is that happening? And so they get a bunch of their guys and said, go down to the Jordan River, find out who this crazy man is, and ask him what he's doing and why he's doing it. And so here's this crowd on the Jordan River. Some of them are sitting on the banks, and they're just waiting their turn. And all of a sudden, down the path from Jerusalem, they see this group of people dressed up in really uh, the holy robes. And they, they right away recognize them because they're important people. They've always been the people that people have looked at thinking, oh, those are the good guys. Those are the holy people. Well, here they come down, all the way down to the Jordan River. People make room for them. They walk on through, and they're like, hey, John, just who do you think you are, and what do you think you're doing? There's people up at the top who want to know. And John's like, wait a second. If you think I'm the Messiah or I'm the Savior of the world, that's not me. That's not who I am. And you can read this whole account in, uh, in John chapter 1. But they said, well, you got to tell us who you are then. we gotta, we got to give an answer to the guys up at the top. So tell us who you are. And here's what John says, verse 24 of John chapter 1. The Pharisees who had been sent, they asked him, if you're not the Messiah or Elijah or the prophet, what right do you have to baptize? 
And John told them, I'm baptizing with water. But right here in this crowd somewhere, there's someone you don't recognize. Though his ministry follows mine, though he's after me, I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandal. Verse 28, John says, this, what? this encounter took place in Bethany, an area east of the Jordan River where John was baptizing. He says, this, this event happened. He said, hey guys, I, I, I'm baptizing, but there's someone coming. You don't know him yet, but he's coming. That's why I'm here. I'm getting ready for him. And they're like, okay, fine. He's not the Messiah. He's not the Savior. They go back up to, the, up to Jerusalem, and, and, and then we read on the next verse, verse 29. What does it say? When, when is it? The next day. So the very next day after those guys came down and went back up, here's when it happens. John sees Jesus. Picture, here they are all sitting around the river. John's baptizing people, and all of a sudden he sees Jesus walking along the riverbank to him. He sees him coming. And here's what John says. He says, look, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Look. He's like, there, there he is. That person I told you yesterday who's coming, that's him right there. And all the people who are like, you know, I want to be baptized next. Okay, just hold on. Just look. Look for one minute. There, there he is. He's the one I was talking about when I said a man's coming after me who's far greater than I am. He existed long before me. That's him. When he says, look, he's saying, look, there he is. What John did not say when it came to this idea of Jesus, John did not say, hey, hey, boys and girls, I want you to gather around. Thanks for coming to see me baptize people. I have a story for you. I'd like to tell you about somebody. You know, let, let me just start this way. If you guys are really, really good, if you're really good, boys and girls, then every year, this man wearing a big red suit with a big bag of toys is going to come down your chimney and leave you gifts. If you're bad, it's going to be coal. And they're like, John, what's a chimney? Okay, let me start over. A few months later, there's a rabbit. And if you believe, if you believe, then it's true. You know, if you believe, then it's true. If you can hear the bell ringing, then, then you believe, and then it's true. There's a rabbit that comes, and he gives away candy eggs. All you got to do is believe in him, and he's true. Uh, and if, if, you know, you don't even have to wait till then. You know, if you put your tooth under your pillow, and you believe that there's a tooth fairy, that tooth fairy's real, and you're going to find money under your pillow. It didn't start like that. You know, how often do we tell kids fairy tales? And then it's the same way we present the gospel. you got to believe in Jesus because then he's true. If you just have faith, then it's real. And for some of you, that's been your faith. You think it's just like, oh, well, if I believe in Jesus, well, then, then he's real, then he's true. John's like, I didn't come telling you no fairy tales. He says, I pointed out a person. Nobody on that on that shore that day was sitting there having to try and believe in something. Oh, I hope, I hope, I hope it's true. He's like, look, he's right there. I'm pointing out a person to you. Just look at him. That's him. That's the, that's the, that's the, the Lamb of God. And we look at that, like, that's a weird title. Hey, look, there's the sheep guy from Dunville, whatever. You know, we'd be like, well, that's weird. That's, we would be like, what? That's a weird thing to call somebody. And he's like, this is, 
this is the Lamb of God. And we're like, oh, okay, you know, the Lamb of God. They're sitting on the shore saying, what, what do you mean the Lamb of God? It's actually the words, the Lamb that God provided. And they're like, what? What do you, what do you, we know about lambs that God provided. They would sit there saying, we, we, know, we know the stories of Abraham and Isaac. We know that God provided a lamb for Isaac once because he, he was about to be sacrificed. Do we have a picture of that? Yeah. And, and in Sunday school, you remember, God provided a lamb so Isaac didn't die. As they think about, we know God provided lambs for our ancestors when they left Egypt that those lambs died uh, for the Passover and, and our ancestors put the blood on the doors and, and those lambs died so our ancestors wouldn't die. And then they would think, you know what? We know that God provided lambs for us, that every year a lamb is sacrificed for my sins at the temple. And I showed you this, but it didn't look like this. This is so clean. I just didn't want to didn't. We didn't have enough puke bags in the, in the uh, seats this morning to show you what it really looks like. It was messy and dirty. I'm like, okay, we've thought about lambs that God provided to protect us every single year. What are, you, what are you saying? You're saying that this is the lamb that God provided to take away the sins of the world? A person? A person's going to take the sins of the world? The lambs were just for Jewish sin. What do you mean? Like, are you talking about the Romans? This guy's going to die for the Roman sin and for the Greek sin? That stuff's pretty crazy. He's, John, what are you saying? How do you know this is true, that a person's going to take away the sin of the world? How do you know this, John? What are you, you're saying, look at this person. How do you know? Here's what John said, because maybe you would have asked the same question. John says in verse 31, listen, I didn't recognize him as the Messiah either. He's my cousin. Like, I'm not looking like, hey, my cousin's the son of God. My cousin's the savior of, of all of the world in Israel. He says, he says, but that's why I've been baptizing with water, so that he might be revealed to Israel. Like, what, what, what do you mean baptizing with water so that he would be revealed? He says this, verse 32, John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting on him. I didn't know that he was the one, but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me. He said, go baptize with water, and the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. He's like, that's why I'm down here baptizing. God told me, and he said, go baptize people. Go start dunking people in the water. And he says, and one of those people you dunk, something's going to happen. You're going to see Holy Spirit come down on that person like a dove. That's the one. So he's like, I've just been here baptizing as many as I can until I saw, and I saw it, and that's him. That is the one. That is the one. That is the Lamb of God. And he says, I saw this, what? I saw it happen. I'm not telling you stories. I'm not telling you fairy tales. I saw this happen. I'm an eyewitness that this happened. And he says, listen, look, look. I saw it happen to Jesus, so I testify that he's the chosen one of God. And then he says this. John keeps writing. What does he write? 35, the following day. When? The very next day. He's like, two days ago, there was this crew that came down from Jerusalem. Yesterday, John points out and tells everybody, look, there he is. That's the Lamb of God. Then he says, the very next day, John was standing with two of his disciples, two of the guys who were helping him baptize people. And John's standing there uh, with them. And as Jesus walks by, John looks at him and declares, look, it's him. It's the Lamb of God. It's the one we've been waiting for. It's the Lamb of God. Look, fellas, look, he's right, he's right there. And here's what I want to leave you with this morning. When John's followers heard that, they 
started following Jesus. When they heard, look, there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, they started following Jesus. It was all the evidence they needed. It wasn't just this, hey, I want you to believe something. It was evidence. There he is. Here's the guy. They didn't know anything about him yet. They didn't know all that it would entail when they followed him, but they're like, you know what? Just the fact that he's the one who came to take away my sin, and I have some, he's going to take it away. I'm with him. I'm going to follow him. Wherever he goes, I'm, I'm following him. Those two guys, the first one's name was Andrew. Real guy, real person. Andrew's like, hey, <laughs> I'm going to follow him. And then it says shortly after that, he goes and finds his brother. His name's Peter. He's like, hey, Pete, we found him. We found him. I know who the Savior of the world is. I know who the Messiah is. I found him. Come along. We're going to follow. Two real guys, real names, Andrew and Peter, start following. We're going to talk about them in a couple of weeks. Let's talk about you today. Like, no, let's not talk about me today. That's why we're here, because it's not just so you have a chance to hear me talk and hope it was entertaining and whatever and go home and like, don't have to go back till next week. Something, something for you this morning, something for me this morning. I just want to leave you with a couple of quick questions. If you started today by saying, yeah, I'm a longtime Christian, are you actually following Jesus? Ah, I got to ask myself that question. That's a tough one to answer sometimes because he prompts you and lets you know where you are and where you aren't. Am I actually a follower of Jesus? Or did I buy into a brand that was nothing more than a sham? Am I actually following Jesus? And if not, do I want to follow him? You know, am I reading his word to know him better today than yesterday? Every day, am I, am I digging in to know him? You know, am I asking him to direct my decisions? And if not, do I really want that? Because that's what his invitation was to people. Hey, listen, you've done life your way. <laughs> How's it working for you? All right, you can keep wallowing. Or come follow me. Yeah, I got some stuff to say. Come, come listen to me. Come live as I live. Come watch, do it as I do it. Come walk with me. If you say, yeah, you know, maybe you're here this morning like, I didn't know what any of this stuff was about. I thought you go to church. They said there's going to be good music, free food, and then, you know, I feel better if I was, I do feel a little bit better. What? He's saying, listen, come follow me. You can come follow a person. Maybe you've never understood it that way before, but that's what it really is all about. And maybe for you, you're like, man, I, I didn't think God would want me because if he knew all the stuff I did, maybe he does, he wouldn't want me. He wouldn't like, I don't like me. He says, listen, I took care of that for you. And it wasn't on a little clean cross like this. But that, that Lamb of God, that Son of God, that look, that man, three years later, would take the sin of the world, the punishment of the world in his own body on a cross, and he would do it for you and he would do it for me. And he simply says, hey, come, follow me. Which means you can start right where you are today. Right where you are. You don't have to get your life cleaned up. You don't have to try and impress him by like, okay, God, I'll go to church like twice uh, this, you know, twice on Sunday. I'll go, I'll go every week for a month. Then you'll be, imp he says he's not impressed. He just says simply just start where you are and just come follow me. Let me do in you. Just, you just keep your eyes on me. Like we sang this morning, you just look to the sun. You just look to me and you just keep following as I lead your steps. We're, we're going to just take one today. Let's just take one today. Look to the sun simply means I used to be the leader. I now want to be a follower. 
I just want to follow where you're leading me. Leave you with this last verse, Isaiah 45. Isaiah, a prophet, seven, eight hundred years before Jesus, said these words. God inspired him. He says, let all the world look to me for salvation, for I'm God. There's no other. Some of you are like, you know, what do I do next? Like, I, how do I follow God? How do I do all this stuff? He simply says, it's, it's real simple. Just, just look to me. Anyone can look. Mechanic, you can look. The farmer, you can look. Child, you can look. An adult, you can look. Whether you're 13, 33, 93, you can look. And he's, he's saying today, that's where it starts. Look. We're not, we're not spinning some, some things that you have to try and believe. He's like, there was evidence that this man walked the planet, and he did just what he said he did, and he was who he said he was. And you can trust him, and you can look to him for salvation today, 2,000 years later, because he wasn't just a man. He was God, and he came for you, and he came for me. You want to follow? So for the next number of weeks, we're simply just going to do that. Jesus, what does it look like to follow you? Some days it's going to mess with your life. The challenge will be, are you still following? I hope you wrestle with that. I hope you talk about it. I hope you, I hope you call me. I hope you email me. Say, oh, the whatever. Let's have conversations about what it's like to follow Jesus, and let's encourage one another in that. We've got a world that needs to know him. We have a world that needs hope. It's going to come through you. It's going to come through you. You might not believe it yet, but you, you can share the truth of who Jesus is with people and, that's, and watch their lives be changed. You can do that. Why? Because of him, because of who he is and what he's done. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for those who gave their lives to protect it. Thank you that it is true. Thank you that it's been translated into English so we have a chance to understand it, read it for ourselves, and know it for ourselves. Thank you that you reveal yourself through it, God, that we can know you, that as we look for you, we can find you. Lord, I pray that you'd stir in every heart in this place a desire to know you more, starting with mine. Thank you for drawing us. Thank you for saving us. Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you. Help us understand today what it means just to simply follow you, to walk with you as we leave this place, that we are with you. Whatever that may mean for each individual journey, Lord, whatever good comes of it, it's glory to you. Whatever troubles we face, may we remember that you are still with us in those moments. May, the, may our county, our province, may our country see who you really are. Christianity be redefined because of people who genuinely follow you starting today. Amen.